Welcome to today's episode of The Growth Zone. I am Christian Bartsch. What is the core benefit of listening to this show? Business leaders in corporate and privately held companies gain insights into trends and strategies that provide them with a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Each episode focuses on an area such as marketing, sales, innovation or funding that is absolutely critical to the growth of companies, whether they are startups or corporate global players, where management needs to juggle the challenges of market entry or knowing how to navigate the uncertainties of disruptive developments. Mindfeeding is where clarity evolves and helps solving organizational challenges. For those who listen to the entire episode, I have a special surprise gift. I am working on some great guests that are industry leaders in management, innovation and marketing. Let's get started on today's episode. So I'm today here with Ira Wolf and we're going to be talking about how will technology companies recruit and organize themselves as they relocate in 2021. So Ira, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, thanks very much, Christian. Really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I live in the States. Uh, I have a company, Success Performance Solutions. I started it about 25 years ago. Uh, for anyone who's interested, you can learn a little bit more about me on LinkedIn. But uh, as my title says, uh, one is I'm a millennial trapped in a baby boomer body. I'm definitely a baby boomer. My body feels it every day. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm very, very active, looking for change. Uh, I'm fascinated and terrified by some of the changes that are coming, which I know is what we'll, what, what we'll be talking about. Uh, but my company, we primarily work with small, medium-sized companies, helping them hire, hire smarter, recruit better. Yeah, definitely. Because, of course, now, if we're all working from home, things change very much as well. How we hire, and I've had as well some people calling in where we've had as well some people where we've been talking about um, open positions that we have and that. And then it's always feels strange when we go and tell them. But at the moment, we all work from the home office, and the other person on the other side thinks, oh, home office? I don't know. No office? and there's things and of course they still all have to get used to the thought hey most of the companies even if i go somewhere in the city or i call with other partners and, and clients and so on i say i how, how's the situation with you in the office and so on say well i'm working from home and another guy says yeah today i'm in the office but the whole area is empty i'm the only one and then afterwards i'm going of course gone i have to do some shopping and in the evening i'll do some work and then it's done and that's the thing. We have to get used to this new reality. And of course, on the other hand, we think, yes, we have to hire people as well. We have to do interviews. We used to do interviews, of course, in person. And it didn't matter whether the person had to travel like two, three hours by train or by plane or whatever. We'd have the personal interviews. Now we have to do them maybe with Zoom or we do them on the phone or whatever. And then yeah, until you decide who to hire, of course, a different thing. So everybody has to get used to this no new norm. 
And of course, if you wear a mask, then it's as well totally impossible because you don't see properly body language and all the other things where you look for as well. If you're recruiting somebody, you're looking, okay, is he really saying, is he being honest on what he's actually telling me? Or is he just uh, telling me garbage just so that I'm happy to hire him? And later on, I find out he has no clue what he's doing. So that's, of course, a problem. And I can imagine that many companies are going to have to uh, find a way to working on all these complexities of recruiting and as well um, hiring as well. I recently, I was reading an article, maybe you've seen that as well, Ira, about um, some tech companies in Silicon Valley have been deciding to move their facilities. Even I think Elon Musk is moving as well his private foundation from California to Texas and all these things. But um, looking in at that and all these changes that we have with pandemic and companies relocating that how you think is the future going to look for us and how how can uh, this actually impact the way tech companies are going to hire talents in the future no absolutely there's there's a lot to unpack there christian <laughs> you talked a lot about a, a lot of things so just for instance uh what i'm seeing quite a bit is that the world sort of caught up. A lot of what we're talking about has been anticipated. So certainly uh, going remote almost overnight uh, back in the early spring uh, or late winter, whichever, which whenever I know you're talking to a global audience. So uh, depending on when uh, COVID-19 hit the most, Uh, the, you know, people overnight picked up their laptops or sometimes they didn't pick up a laptop because they didn't have a laptop and they went home. Uh, and, but we've been talking about that for quite a few years, that that was the trend that people were going to move there. We just didn't anticipate it overnight. So the, the fact that people are struggling is only because the future arrived today uh, instead of uh, when people wanted to think that they control it down the road. So, uh, but now we've been in this pandemic about, uh, again, nine months, maybe a year, depending on where you live, and people are getting used to it. Uh, the, the companies that have opened their doors and allowed people to come back, as you gave a great example, is someone goes back to the office and they're the only person there, or there's only a handful of people. I've heard stories that people have gone back to the office And because of limitations in the rooms, uh, the conference room that used to hold or the meeting room that used to hold only, uh, let's say it could hold 10 or 12 people, can now only hold uh, maybe six or four safely. And therefore, half the people that are in the office are connected to the people in the meeting room by Zoom. Uh, which means that there really isn't much of a difference. There's a lot of people that are also recognizing uh, there, there was a lot of benefits, uh, me, me included. And I've, I've been working from home since uh, the mid, uh, since about 2007. So to, to me, the world caught up. Uh, but a lot of other people have saved, uh, you know, recognized how much money they saved on commuting, uh, that they got to spend more time with their kids, maybe maybe for some too much time, uh, because they're also trying to be parents, uh, they're not only parents, but they're, they're, they're teachers and mentors uh, as well. And some people don't have large living spaces and, and it's getting a little cramped. But ultimately, when schools reopen, people go back to work. Um, 
I think a lot of people are going to at least have a hybrid type of an office environment or a work environment where there will be certain days that people will still not go back to work because it was expensive to commute. Uh, it took a tremendous amount of time uh, for uh, out of a, of a, out of a day for people to do that. Uh, if nothing else, I think what has going to significantly change is flexibility where people in the past thought, well, our hours are, you know, you need to be in the office between eight and five or whatever those hours might be. And now people realize that, well, if I can't get to work or if I'm, if I'm feeling ill or if I have to go on an appointment somewhere to, with my family or myself, is that I can still connect. I can still be part of the team. I can still be part of the business and contribute uh, unless you physically have to be in that space. So I don't think we're ever going back to normal. To, I won't say normal. We will, we will create a new normal. Uh, I don't like the term new normal or normal 2.0. Um, I've been talking more about waves of normal because things are going to continue to evolve and we're going to get comfortable with the new setting and then something else will trigger an event, whether that's technology or something external, and we're going to have to adapt. So, I, you know, we're certainly, we're, we're never going to go back to a 100% uh, physical on-site job uh, 100% of the time. Uh, and, uh, but I, I do believe that there are some businesses that will not continue to be 0% on-site. Uh, that'll be some hybrid of that. But what that looks like is, is going to is going to be really specific to the business. Yes, absolutely. And and when you see um, companies like Stripe and Facebook and all these different companies, they've been even offering big uh, paychecks to uh, employees if they're willing to actually move out of the expensive uh, cities and move into cheaper living areas in other states and so on. Uh, anticipating already the thought that they're in future going to be working anyway from home and it means as well they need less expensive workspace or they can even reduce the amount of expensive office space and all the complications that come with it um, so they're actually able to to cope with it because of course many people will anticipate that this problem that we have with the pandemic it won't just disappear from one day to another even if there's a vaccination and that stuff so we have to adjust to the new norm and maybe it's even a good advantage so that people actually get used to the new way of working and it's accepted that we need to have a more flexibility instead of filling up the trains and, and buses and everywhere uh, in the mornings and the evenings and then in the midday it's empty and uh, there's a, a chaotic traffic situation instead of uh, being more environmentally friendly and um, getting used to a new way of maybe even having to have uh, living styles as well. I mean, not only living styles, but as well, how we maybe buy houses, how we live in flats and so on, how the space should be in future so that actually a, a flat or a house accommodates at least one to two um, small rooms where you can actually work and do your work because you can't really work in the living room or somehow in your hall or so, how some people might be working now. 
Mm. Oh, at, oh, absolutely. There, there are still some people that are struggling, uh, especially in the cities. Uh, we're not too far. Uh, we're about 70 miles west of New York City, uh, Manhattan. And there are certainly many people there that have 800 square foot, uh, as you call them, flats or apartments, living spaces. They may have two or three people. They may even have a family in there. And uh, that, you know, either people are moving out of the city uh, and recognizing that because they can work remote, they can get a larger home uh, and and move out and and save a lot of money. Uh, or uh, if those, you know, for the people who continue to live in the city and continue to uh, room with multiple people in small areas, uh, then, you know, the, the workspaces uh, are going to be a little bit different. But I think the workspaces uh, the, are, are going to be less crowded. I don't think there's going to, again, I don't think there's ever, uh, we're going to go back to a time where a hundred percent of the employees show up to work at a, a particular time of the day. Uh, so there's going to be more room there. Uh, but, uh, technology is certainly going to be, uh, the name of the game. As, as you were talking, there was, there's one thing I think just, this is important. Um, I've, I didn't coin this. Uh, this is a pretty popular phrase in, in the business. It came from the mil, uh, the military, but it's called VUCA. Uh, V-U-C-A. And it stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And up until recently, I think people looked at those things as, you know, we we certainly have times of crisis. Uh, We certainly have moments where there's disruption, whether it's, uh, you know, unfortunately, we've all been, every country has been uh, affected by some terrorism. Uh, we've been uh, threatened. We've been impacted by some uh, economic fluctuations. Uh, few of us have were alive when when uh, we had a pandemic in the past. Uh, but there is going to be these are going to these events, these types of events, very very disruptive events because we're so connected globally, uh, are going to be much more disruptive in the future, and they're going to happen much more frequently. So where people think these are once in a lifetime or once in a century, uh, I think that's what's going to continue to allow us to work remotely. Uh, It's going to continue to, to, uh, I think, both companies and individuals are going to recognize that there's actually maybe more stability in our lives and careers if we can work remotely, because if we go back to the way it was that you have millions and millions or, you know, maybe even a billion people commuting on a daily basis, um, our infrastructure is not keeping up for for that type of transportation, um, whether you're driving by a vehicle, especially in the U.S. I can't speak for, for Germany and a lot of other countries, but the U.S. infrastructure is, is certainly in need of repair and there's just there's no funds, there's not enough funds, and there's just not enough resources uh, to be able to do that without shutting down those those uh, forms of uh, transportation uh, for long periods of time. And you can't do that when every single day you require them to be in use. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of benefits moving forward. Uh, to that. But uh, I think the the one message that I would leave behind is to, for everyone to understand we're no longer living in a linear, predictable world, but the environment is always going to be a bit uncertain, a bit complex, and a bit ambiguous. And people are going to have to become more comfortable with adaptability. Absolutely. And when you look at it, for instance, uh, in Europe, um, in Germany, at least, we've 
lots of people, of course, are working from home. So many are actually trying to avoid public transport because they don't trust it, because they think it's an otherwise too full and they feel that they get infected on that stuff. Uh, I just, as we were just recording, just uh, passed here a tram and I saw the, the tram with uh, three compartments was practically, I think they had a total of maybe um, five people sitting in it plus the conductor. So that was all. That really not much for a vehicle that could take at least, uh, I would say, maybe uh, 60 or so passengers with it. So that's not just maybe just 10% or so of the capacity is actually being used. And they're trying to introduce now new vehicles. In contrast, for instance, in Sweden, when the pandemic started, they, uh, instead of reducing the amount of trains and so on, they added more uh more carriages to the train so that actually everybody could find enough sp space to distance themselves and still continue to commute to their work uh, into Stockholm and that, which I found really a very interesting, different approach um, since the country anyway, Sweden has been doing quite a lot different to compare to the mainstream in Europe or in USA. So it's quite a different approach. Um, Nevertheless, of course, these changes, we're going to have to accept them more or less for the next few months and maybe even one or two years or so. Um, that will definitely affect as well businesses, not only retail and all these other uh, areas that now have uh, hardly to any um, revenue. But I think this innovation is, is creating new opportunities as well to create new kind of jobs that are willing to have this flexibility as we've been speaking about. And that brings me actually to the idea what can a business do to regain a competitive advantage in the new context of 2021 when we look at what's happening? What do you think? Well, I, I, again, I think the story is is certainly evolving. It's interesting because I'm teaching a, uh, a, a graduate program in organizational change. And our focus is, or, or the textbook we're using is not a traditional uh, college textbook uh, or an academic textbook, but uh, we're using Blue Ocean Shift or Blue Ocean Strategy. Uh, so if, if someone's not familiar with that, I'd certainly look it up. Uh, it's Blue Ocean Strategy has been a, um, it's been a pretty popular uh, business book uh, for about 15 years. But it, it looks at things as... Uh, what are the blue ocean, you know, looking at a blue ocean versus a red ocean, and I won't go into all the details, but a red ocean is where um, companies compete based on price or some uniqueness. They look for that uniqueness and that gets difficult to find where there's a lot of missed opportunities uh, that are out there and, and a lot of businesses have been created. Certainly there's the uh, Netflixes of the world. Uh, there's the Ubers of the world. Uh, but there's there's certainly a lot of opportunity that is now coming up to to make it easier to work remote. You know, when when people, you know, the, the Zoom example, and I know this is a bit uh, it's not an exact number, uh, but be, in, in December of uh, 2019, which seems like an eternity ago, but a year ago, uh, 2019, there was about 10 million people using uh, Zoom on a daily basis. And then all of a sudden, by March, there was 300 million people using it on a daily basis. Well, at first, people were uncomfortable, uh, but then they they got used to it. Uh, they learned how to do it. Um, then people purchased better microphones and better webcams, and they got better lighting, and they got a desk. And now they're just more comfortable doing it. 
there is going to be a continual evolution. I'm just shocked. I like you, I do a podcast. So I'm contacted quite frequently by people that have uh, new, uh, either new tools, new equipment, new technology, or new methods of working, new modes of working. And uh, it's just, it's just incredible of the ingenuity uh, of people and recognizing that we really weren't maximizing our full potential when we were spending two, three, four hours a day uh, uh, commuting. And then we were spending half our days in physical meetings or driving to meetings or preparing for meetings. And now we seem to be, you know, there's a lot of studies that are coming out that we're actually much more productive now than we were before. There's certainly people who aren't, who are struggling with the technology. But again, I think as technology gets better, as bandwidth gets better, uh, and as people's skills get improved uh, with how to use this, that uh, the, the opportunities are limitless. It also is a great way to attract talent because before companies just said, oh, we don't, you know, we, we allow you to, we have a flexible work schedule. We allow you to work on Fridays from home. Now that that's changed, as you gave an example, people are moving locations because it doesn't matter where they're located. They can work anywhere in the world and attract and hire the best talent. So that's uh, that, that's going to be a significant difference uh, with that. And uh, but it's going to require everyone from management uh, learning how to manage people differently to individuals, you know, what they need to do uh, to get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. And that really takes it um, to a new way of uh, hiring people and, and managing people. And as well, I'm sure as well about mentoring as well. As in many big companies, you have these mentoring programs where senior employees mentor juniors and so on to, um, on the one hand, help them to grow and develop their leadership skills. And on the other hand, help as well the seniors to get fresh ideas, fresh knowledge, Because, of course, the younger generations have new ideas that bring stuff from university and so on, and new inputs. So both sides gain from their sides, and uh, sometimes the juniors can help the seniors with other problems where they're maybe not so um, feeling so comfortable with technology and these other things. And uh, let's say, let's have a look at this following scenario. So if I was to start now a new tech company and needed to hire a thousand people, What do I need to do in 2021 to manage that successfully? That's an excellent question. And I, I, again, it somewhat goes back to basics. The, you know, one is understanding what are the skills that you need. I think people need to stop looking at specific job titles per se. There's obviously some jobs that require uh, if you need people to code or you need an engineer, you need them to have a... Uh, some knowledge. Uh, one is uh, how, you know, to ensure or, or what, what skills and what knowledge do they have to have. Um, but people are acquiring that knowledge in many, many different ways. Uh, it used to be that a four-year degree, a college education or a master's degree or some type of certificate program would, would be a good indication that that person at least had the minimum requirement to do the job. 
But today, there are so many different ways that people can learn, especially through the pandemic. There's many, many uh, top-notch universities, and there, there's many other schools and, and different uh, companies that are offering online training. And uh, again, so I think companies need to take a step back and relook at what is, what's essential, what do we need, uh, what types of skills, what type of um, uh, knowledge do the, do the candidates need to possess? What do we need to do to get a job? Uh, and it's no longer coming from a traditional resume or just because somebody has a certain degree. Um, because so much has changed, I think it also takes a, a step back that people need to look at the, the number of years of education. Uh, you know, so many people put these false requirements in there, and then there's something called cr- uh, credential creep uh, that, uh, you know, if somebody didn't work out because they only had a, a two-year degree then at, or only had three years of experience, the company said, oh, we obviously need more. We need five. We need a four year degree and five years experience. Uh, but a, a lot of those norms have gone are going by the wayside. That's not a good judge. Uh, the other thing is that people are looking for company cultures that they would like to be part of. People want to know, uh, are they treated well? Does the company care about them? Uh, and so that's going to be a, a big change. So for my advice to a, a company in 2021, in fact, uh, I just was interviewed for an article a few weeks ago. It was just published last night, and uh, it, it looked at the five trends for 2021. And I talked about adaptability being, that was my recommendation, that adaptability would be the number one skill that would be required for 2021. But some of the other uh, thought leaders suggested it would be employee well-being. There would be an increased focus on employee well-being. And that may be a benefit of the pandemic because companies are now uh, recognizing that they have to be a little bit more concerned about uh uh, how people are doing, especially if they're remote, because you don't see them every day. Uh, and if people are struggling, what can what can the company do to help accommodate that? Uh, there is also, um, uh, I, again, tr- what's training look like? What's online? You know, how how do we how do we manage people remotely? How do we create a uh, a culture when people don't necessarily congregate around the water cooler? What what uh, tools can we use to create a similar atmosphere, a similar environment? So people are using uh, Slack uh, and people are using other type of chats. Uh, people are, uh, again, managers are, 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 sometimes people are just checking in. Uh, there's managers that set regular calls or uh, keep an open line. They, they have a chat line or even a video line that's open, um, that people can just stop in almost like, uh, instead of having an open door on a physical office, uh, they have an open door, uh, policy because their webcams on. And it's like, Hey, if you want to talk about something, uh, you know, let's, let's do it. You know, feel free to stop in at any time, uh, between the hours of one and two. Uh, so people are just going to have to become more, much more creative. So 2021, I think is going to see a huge shift, uh, in, in people, uh, again, you know, figuring out what this new normal looks like. Um, I think companies are going to become a lot smarter in, in treating people a lot better. Uh, there's going to be a much bigger reliance on technology 
And uh, for for anybody that's looking to hire people, um, not only in 2021, but 2021 and beyond, uh, is going to really have to focus on their brand, on their culture, on their leadership style, and to uh, think about what their purpose is. How, you know, what's their contribution uh, and how do they engage people? Because, uh, again, people are going to be the top talent is, is going to be a lot more selective of where to go to work. Yes, that's uh, that makes sense to me as well. When I look at what's happening, how companies are changing, adapting, and um, I think many many new companies that are coming on the market or, or already just on the market for a few years or maybe for five to ten years or so, they are maybe more able to adapt to these cultures. Other companies who've been maybe on on for maybe fifty or hundred years, they have to start. Uh, adapting as well and changing their train of thought um, and especially as well the leaders because they're not used to that they've been maybe themselves as well been in this corporate environment where you are supposed to react in this way and management has to be that way and you have to come at eight in the morning or nine in the morning and and then you have to stay a certain time and if you're not there you're obviously not doing your work uh, or like what i heard from one other company um the boss decided to go and uh, demand that everybody has a webcam on so that he can make sure that everybody's actually working, which is just crazy because then you can yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you can fake it, but because you can put a picture in front of it and so on. That doesn't doesn't uh, really make any sense because then the people are not creative and it becomes a, a mayhem in the whole situation. So it's not really positive, and and people or people feel stressed if they they feel controlled and. Uh, it's like having somebody standing behind you whilst you're doing some work and, and it's like the headmaster at the back and, and trying to check whether you're going to do your math correct and looking all the time whether you're trying to cheat or something. It doesn't feel very comfortable and, and uh, it doesn't uh, provide a positive culture and trust relationship that people actually are creative and, and use what, what makes us unique because otherwise we can replace people with robots. Robots are not creative. They, they don't invent stuff, but uh, that makes the difference between us humans and robots. Well, well uh, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah Krista, sorry to interrupt. I mean, it's, it's interesting that you, you bring that up, that you know, certainly the threat uh, prior to the pandemic was that millions of people would lose their jobs due to technology. And, mm. you know, there was a debate. Would people, because of technology, be thrown out of a job? Uh, or would it create new jobs? And, and I'm certainly of the belief it's going to create new jobs. Uh, but there, there's a, a kind of a, a rule of thumb that's out there in, in many of the studies, and this is certainly an average, uh, but that two-thirds of all jobs will be one-third automated. Now, that does not mean that that every, which is good news because it doesn't mean everybody's going to lose their job, but it does mean that because part of your job will be automated, everybody's going to need new skills. They're going to have to learn how to apply that technology. And instead of doing a lot of manual tasks, um, such as inputting data or doing the analysis on a spreadsheet would be to take the analysis and then apply that or to identify, was there bias in that? Uh, was it accurate? Does this make sense? So people are going to have to apply uh, much more clinical skills. Um, I was on a call yesterday, and we were talking a lot about collaboration. And, you know, in the past, collaboration 
ended up just being, did people get along? Were people good team players? Now collaborations is a whole new meeting because collaboration indicates the true form of collaboration means that you're able to collaborate with a diverse team not just having people of different color, uh, different gender, different ethnicities on it, but truly uh, cognitive dissidents, uh, people who have different views. And we need that now because we don't know what the future is going to look like. It's going to continue to evolve. So we do need the skeptics. We do need the people who test our optimism, uh, who who make us more confident that the decisions we make uh, are better because uh, we're, we're, we're vulnerable. We're, we're willing to be vulnerable uh, because we're, we're allowing other people to challenge us. Uh, that's, uh, as you said, I mean, managers who require their web, you know, that their employees' webcams be on all the time to make sure they're sitting at the desk uh, is just going out with the, you know, it, 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 that's just, that's just not going to work anymore. There, there's an interesting philosophy that's out there, not a philosophy, but a, a model. And you'll appreciate this, especially from Germany, because, uh, you know, when when companies and, and the world kind of adopted total quality management, uh, Six Sigma, lean manufacturing, we squeezed out errors. We, we didn't allow errors. And that put a crimp sometimes in innovation. Because in order to innovate, you have to be, you have to allow people to be curious, to try things, to experiment, uh, to make a mistake and learn from the mistake. When you allow zero defects, you, you basically are creating a robot in people. And that's what we've done. The, the problem with that is, is we can become fragile. And the, you know, another kind of buzzword or, or key trend is that we need to become more resilient uh, in order to become resilient. If you're resilient, you could bounce back uh, or bounce forward is even a better term. Uh, but in order to be just like a, a metal or any physical property, in order to become resilient, it has to be able to bend. And we sort of, for the last 20 or 30 years, we, we've sort of squeezed that out of business um, and of out of people that we didn't allow that to happen. So especially focusing on technology companies, technology companies really need to focus on not replacing what humans do, replace the tedious task or the manual task, but also what can they do to make humans better? What can they do to put some of the humanity back in, in the human being? Uh, or you, as we talk a lot about is put the humanity back in HR. Uh, what can companies do to allow technology to uh, um, allow people to become a little bit more flexible, uh, to allow them to rec- realize their human potential, uh, to become better people, uh, to improve their well-being and their health, and, and create a less stressful work environment. What can technology do to be able to do that? I think those are the companies that are going to thrive. Yes, uh, I think so too, because they'll be more ahead of time. They'll have real proper uh, competitive advantage and the people actually know why they're actually doing their work and they're going to enjoy working for these companies more and the enjoyment as well then uh, moves out of them as well towards others in any kind of conversation so that other, others decide, well, 
maybe that's the company that I want to work because I've had enough of my old company because there it's limited. I have no opportunities. I can't grow. And uh, if I make suggestions to improve things, it's not accepted and it's downplayed and on negativity impacts there and the culture isn't positive and those companies that are able actually to adapt and, and uh, move into a more modern style of the of this generation that we have to build of businesses then that creates quite a um, pull and push effect at the same time so people really want to work for their for those companies instead of just uh, being bored on a job that they actually hate every day and just waiting for the day that they can retire and then they are bored as well because they haven't got anything sensible to do in retirement and that's, yeah, that's exactly between. right yeah, I, yeah. And, and i know you mentioned a few times about young people uh you know again it, it, we're, we're not building the world to accommodate them the world has changed uh, there, hmm. There's no question about it. So the, the fact is, is that we we often, you know, a lot of times, and, and I've certainly been a victim of this as well, are, is that we say we need to change the workplace because of millennials, or now we need to change the workplace because of Gen Z. The fact is, is that the world that uh, Gen Z, which is anybody, really anybody under 23 years old or 24 years old, that's the only world they know. They only know a world uh, where there's been Bluetooth and PayPal and the internet and, uh, you know, even the genetically in- engineered animals and people. Uh, so the, the fact is, is that is their normal, that is their world, but it's also the world that we're all living in because, um, you know, we, we didn't talk about this, but think about the, what the pandemic, think about the response to the pandemic. Had we not had technology, we wouldn't be doing this for sure. Uh, but the, the fact is, is that despite millions of people being out of work, um, you know, the disruption, millions of people die or, you know, yeah, millions of people dying at this point, um, certainly millions, multi-millions of people being infected with COVID, uh, and their lives disrupted. There are still, there is still a lot of normalcy going on. There's still a lot of businesses that are operating on a normal basis. The fact that, uh, especially in the U S and I assume it's that way in, in Germany and, and Europe and other countries as well is still arguing about restaurants. The fact is, is that, that there's even a discussion of how do you open restaurants is a miracle because without technology, there wouldn't be, we we would have had many more deaths, uh, much more disruption. And uh, again, businesses, you know, we would have been had a a lot more of of an economic crisis than we do now. Uh, So there's a lot of things that go on. There's a lot of people every single day that get up and go to work, even if they don't travel to work, they are still working. And that would have been impossible had we not had technology. So we we can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. Exactly. And uh, when you think of it, with, of course, all the people working from home and means as well that all those restaurants that actually usually survive or make a big income from uh, the people who actually go to work and then need some lunch during the day and need some some snacks and so on, all those fast food restaurants, all those normal restaurants and so on that actually do business with all the people who go in the evenings as well with their clients or in late afternoon for 
for uh, for some food and, and having some discussions and so on. And, and depending as well on different countries and so on, countries like Spain and so on, where you, for instance, you go with your client to have uh, a meal and you have small talk and you enjoy the time. And then at the end of the of the um, evening meal, you decide, oh, we still got to make uh, get our sale done. And the client says, yeah, I've got here a list of things that I need. You write down the order and this the business part is actually like five minutes. And at the other time was like an hour to two hours where it's actually socializing, building trust and say, yes, I want to do business with this person because if I've got a problem, I know this person will actually take the necessary action to help me solve the problem instead of creating me pain because they delivered something, it wasn't working and have issues and my client's unhappy and so on. But that way you have a trust relationship and okay, I want to order next thing and next thing as well from the person from that company because I know we can do a partnership with each other. We can do business. Even if we haven't got a signed partnership contract, it's still a sort of a business mm-hmm. relationship and it works. And other countries like Sweden, for instance, they don't like small talk. It's a different culture, but they have as well their kind of ways of doing business with each other and, and uh, negotiating things. And that these things don't work now. So we have to adapt and uh, yeah. So that's we'll, we'll back yeah, yeah, we'll get back to some degree of that. I mean, mm. I, I'm not I'm not suggesting. I mean, because we would just be robots if we could do everything remote. <laughs> uh, there's still there is going to be socialization, but it, uh, I think people are going to be more focused. I think it's going to be more efficient uh, with that. Uh, but I think that there's people. You know, I, my business has been remote for years, but even from the beginning, this is my 25th year, uh, I have I have clients all over the United States, North America, and now uh, since I've, I've had a few before that were global, but since the pandemic, I've, I've increased my international business about 20%. And by, but I rarely ever visited a client uh, because we didn't need to. And yet I was in a human business. I mean, we were talking about hiring people uh, and how could I help them improve their interviewing skills uh, remotely, where in the past you would either do the interview person to person, you would you would be you would physically be in the same room uh, training people on interviewing skills. And now um you know, again, uh, we're able to help people become better hiring managers, better interviewers, better screeners uh, with the use of technology over the use of technology. And uh, again, that's that, uh, again, people are better for it. Uh, it's also interesting that uh, there are clients that I've had for 10 years or more that we in the past always did our interactions either by email or phone but I didn't see them. Since the pandemic, people have gotten much more comfortable that now I can physically see them because they'll, we'll schedule a a Zoom or a video meeting. Um, So it's incredible how many people that I've known for 10, 15, or 20 years that I did not, other than a, a picture on their LinkedIn profile, I didn't know what they looked like. And now we actually have more communication and uh, we have a better relationship uh, because the the technology, the time fo- forced us to use it. So I, again, I think it's going to continue to evolve. There's still going to be, you know, we're all 
ready to go out and have lunch, to dinner, go to a party, travel. We're all ready to do that. But uh, again, I think there's going to be much more efficiency within our businesses. And going back to a question you said, what would I tell a, comp- a tech company or a startup to focus on? Is how one is how to make that transition to the future easier is, is one model, and also uh, how how can you you know a, really a focus on individuals' well being? What can you do to make their the workers' jobs easier and better, and to allow management to create a culture? that happens to be remote where people are spread out. Uh, and, and again, uh, you know, all could be all around the world, but now have a more diverse, how, how do you create an inclusive culture on when you're working remote? And uh, if you can solve that problem, I, you're going to have a bright future. Great. Um, so it was awesome to have you here on the show, Ira. Um, if people want to connect with you, how can they reach you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, my website is successperformancesolutions.com. Uh, you can also go to irawolf.com if you want to see more on my personal brand. Uh, I'm, I'm always on LinkedIn. Um, I, I'm connected on LinkedIn and Twitter. So you can also go just uh, search for me on, on uh, LinkedIn as well. But uh, happy to connect with anybody. And I certainly look forward to uh, sharing, uh, answering any questions or or helping anybody out awesome i hope you enjoy today's episode of the growth zone with christian barge thank you for listening please leave a review or rating here on itunes or on podchaser.com If you found the content helpful, then share it on social media. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming interviews with leaders in the market. Simply visit the website follow.prmediareach.com I will be adding the link also to the description of this episode so that you just need to click on that link. For those of you who are listening and signing up to follow the show, I have reserved a free copy of the ultimate guide on content marketing. This is the strategy that got me top corporate clients like McDonald's, Linde, Hewlett-Packard, Deutsche Bank, Volvo and many others. That strategy has been working for over 10 years. It also got me contracts with police, transport authorities, military and several universities and even leading research institutes. For sure, it also worked wonders as it got me many small, medium-sized entrepreneurs and enterprises as clients. And that even included international clients from all around the world. The link to sign up for our free broadcasting service and the guide is follow.prmediareach.com That will give you access to the most recent version of my ultimate guide on content marketing. You can follow me as well on Twitter 
by using the Twitter handle CAPBarge. That's spelled Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel. Yes, that is CAP Barge. Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel. <laughs> 